1: This is an RNZ podcast. My heels are killing me. Hello, I'm Sonia Sly, and this is the final episode of RNZ podcast, My Heels Are Killing Me. We head somewhere this time a bit unexpected, and this one's for the boys. Here is our chance to be numb. Undies, boxes, briefs, grubs, bungee smugglers, drawers, shorts, underpants, weapons underdrawers, unmentionable, johns, jocks. Names for men's underwear. Now we're going to be exploring an iconic garment that has become something of an institution for men in New Zealand.
0: So I headed to Te Papa to get the lowdown on our brief history. New Zealand was one of the first places in the world that was allowed the jockey licence. And this is curator Stephanie Gibson. So Lane Walker-Rudkin in Christchurch. The manufacturer behind the sportswear label Canterbury. Got one of the first four licences beyond the USA to make the Y-front in 1940 and helped outfit New Zealand soldiers for their overseas service during the war. So this poster is saying you need to look smart and you need to be comfortable under your uniform. Choose jockeys.
1: Now, Jockey was introduced to the US in 1935, and five years later, the brand arrived on our shores.
0: And a lot of soldiers would have worn this type of underwear, singlet, and the short type Jockey's. How do you think it changed their lifestyle? And Men immediately liked them. They were comfortable and supportive and easy to wear. And you could have multiples of them because they weren't expensive. So it just would have been revolutionary.
1: And ever since, it's been a brand known and loved throughout the generations as illustrated in this old Jockey's
0: ad. And so now people think that jockeys are a New Zealand brand, brand. but they're not, they're American. Mm. It's just that New Zealanders loved them straight away from 1940, and that's a long time to love a product. But it was the creation of the original Y-front that changed things for men. A design based on... The jock strap that men wore for cycling. So that's where the Y front idea came in. It's about how that binding is done around the sensitive area so that everything's held in place but it's comfortable. So it's the way the material is folded and bound and the way the binding goes right up to the waist. The waist takes some of the, the support. You see, underwear hasn't always been so comfortable. So in the past, you might have worn something that was probably quite cumbersome. And I guess it's probably almost like a long john that they were wearing. Like a long and job, apparently yes. some of them had slips in the knees, maybe leather waistbands. There would have been buttons. It would have been a little bit fiddly. Underwear manufacturers were always looking for ways to make underwear more comfortable. But in the 19th century in the early 20th century, you wore a lot of underwear against your skin because you wanted to protect your clothing from human sweat so people tended to wash their underwear more than they washed their outerwear so you tended to cover up underneath and also people wanted to be clean and they really believed in the hygienic properties of underwear so people wore knitted wool or knitted cotton natural fibers they were considered good for the skin and for circulation and airflow and for cleanliness Uh, So you were very well covered. So you often wore down to your knees or down to your ankles. Then what happened in the late 19th century, early 20th century, people started to ease up all across the board, especially around the First World War period, and people became more active. I'm talking about both men and women here. So cycling was very popular. Boxing had a huge influence in the 20s and people started to wear boxer shorts. So their underwear started to come up, started to become a bit more um, comfortable. Sport is hugely important on freeing up underwear and being a lot lighter and shorter and easier to use and look after.
1: And Papa has some pairs of memes underwear in their collection.
0: New and... Uh... Used. We have a 1950s pair in our collection. We actually don't have a pair from the 1940s. Underwear is not something that particularly men keep and offer to museums. But even I
1: can't get my head around the idea of donating a pair of worn underpants to a museum.
0: I guess they reveal more about a period of time than we might think. So it's actually very rare for a museum to have men's underwear. We have quite a bit of women's underwear. They tend to keep theirs, especially their special pieces. Like from a wedding trousseau, for example, you might get beautiful embroidered underwear. But men tend to wear theirs and then throw them out, so they wear out. This actually has come from a member of the Seddon family, this pair. The Seddon family have... um, donated many wonderful items of clothing to us over the years. Usually very fine clothing worn for, for state events, but we also have this great pair of just everyday men's underwear. There are also
1: some brand spanking new underpants
0: still in the original packaging, with the
1: price tag on no less. Wife front underwear, 100% cotton, and these ones were bought on sale for $7.99, um, <laughs> reduced from $8.80. So cheap, and not to mention some very loud briefs.
0: We got a whole lot of pristine packaged underwear from the 1970s from a Lower Hut woman, and she had lovingly looked after them, they'd never been used, and she gave them to us a few years ago. And we've kept them in the packets because the advertising, the packaging itself is interesting and the names of the products, like hole-proof underpants here, called underdacks. It's hilarious. And these are patterned, synthetic men's underwear from the 70s.
1: Which just goes to show that underwear moves with the fashion of the times. The 70s was about easy wash-and-wear garments that were loud and proud
0: and didn't need ironing. And in the 70s, they started using synthetics, synthetic fibres, which upset um, people because they thought that wasn't very healthy to wear nylon against your skin. But because people by the 70s are washing every day, and it hasn't been such so much of a concern. But in the 19th century, you might wear your underwear for a few days, so um, people felt that you really needed to have a natural fibre against your skin. So they're pushing the boundary. You know, they're trying to sort of break people's dependence or habits of buying white underwear, white cotton underwear. In the 70s, you started to have a lot more colour and pattern come into men's underwear. And Stephanie thinks, too, that the
1: role of underwear has shifted. Given that in this old jockey's advert, there are guys milling around a locker room in their undies, maybe she's right. Land, with
0: the game nearly gone. I
2: can't them, though, a big job.
0: People are getting so much more used to showing their bodies. You know, the whole health and fitness movement, particularly in the 80s, where you shape your body, you shape it through exercise and diet. It's up to you to make your body look great. Uh, You don't have to hide it anymore or shape it anymore with undergarments. And that's, that's the world we live in now. I hit the
1: streets to see how important underwear is in men's lives. I mean, do they even care what they're wearing beneath their clothes?
2: very important i suppose very because it's an underlayer
1: boxes or briefs
2: briefs jay bad
1: yeah. thing i don't wear budgie smugglers for okay. that for that exact reason i normally like two mundies inside out because they've got stitching in that rub you on right. in the inside so it's more one piece do you go for any particular brand
2: no nah, just whatever's cheap
1: so you're a tried and true oh. y-front fan
2: yeah for all my years yes even
1: from as a boy yes
2: um yeah boxer shorts did, yep. Bond's ones,
1: actually. They're yeah, jockeys, yeah, they're they're jockeys, jockeys yep. They're just a little bit more expensive. If yeah. someone buys them for me, I'd wear them. Oh, right. <laughs> so it's a bit of a treat. Jockeys yeah. are a treat. Yeah, they're yep. the best. And jockey has always been about form as much as function.
2: From an innovation point of view, I think jockey has got its strength and, and I guess, its brand reputation.
1: And this is William Radford. He's based out in Melbourne and looks after the marketing side of the jockey's brand.
2: It's sort of where, it, where it's all started, and innovation is still something that we continue to deliver we develop products every every six months to launch the market which is continually evolving
1: and that innovation branches right out across the advertising designed for maximum impact
2: jockey used advanced scanning technology to develop jockey 3d innovation.
1: what kind of innovation are we talking about here like fat use of fabrication or design technology
2: so it can come from the way that a product fits the body, so the way that we cut the fabric, the way that we sew the fabric together. The main thing around men's underwear is they want it to be comfort, and that's the main driver for men and when they buy underwear is all about comfort. So making sure that it's not going to ride up their legs, it's not going to dig in, and all of the technology associated with that and the way we develop the fabrics and elastics and all of those bits and pieces are... Um, key to what is delivered in technology. We also develop and source a whole lot of new fabrics and improve moisture management and controlling of um, you know supporting certain areas in the body which need support more than others. So anything we can do from an innovation and, and product point of view is really strong.
1: Now, rap music and skateboarding gave rise to the low rider baggy jeans. We're showing the waistband of your boxes or briefs became a bit of a fashion statement or accessory in the 90s. And designer brands like Calvin Klein latched onto the craze with an underwear line of their own. And back home, All Blacks player Dan Carter even stopped traffic back in 2004 when he first appeared on a billboard.
0: You might have thought Dan Carter was our undie ambassador, but soon we'll have to share him. From London to Latvia, the All Black will be the global...
2: Uh, In terms of um, aligning ourselves to high performance sports athletes has been um, a really key driver for us and we've done that as long as I can remember back as we align to those athletes and their activities and also their personalities and and how they bring their brand to life and connect with the brand is really important, delivering an authentic message so and we continue to do that today with the All Blacks. What
1: I find really interesting about the way that men's underwear is advertised in contrast to women's is that today socially there's a movement towards body positivity, but I've yet to see a men's underwear advert with, I don't know, like a guy with a bare belly or someone that's not quite in shape. Historically, women have been the main purchasers of underwear for the men in their lives. Is advertising targeting the men or the women here?
2: Yeah, oh, it's a really good question. And I think um, this is probably somewhere where the market's changed significantly from a marketing, how we communicate our brand to consumers. So we have run and campaigns called Real Men, where we do feature real bodies, real people alongside our athletes. So to make sure we are benefiting and talking to the brand in, in both ways and finding ambassadors and personalities that people idolise, as well as connecting to consumers through um, real life, is really important probably from a who's buying the product. You know, we've always had the belief, in, and probably more from an anecdotal point of view, that men are a little bit lazy and don't want to go out and do their shopping. Um, and from a past research, I've seen that more uh, females have been purchasing underwear. However, that has significantly changed in the last sort of five years.
1: Do you buy your own underwear?
2: I do. I'm very particular.
1: How often will you go and buy uh, them?
2: When I see a few holes in, in them old undies, yeah. more men are definitely taking control of their underwear purchases and wanting to wear and source the products that they think are comfortable instead of getting the delivery of underwear that they always had in the past that they've put up with.
1: Put up with, that's interesting.
2: (laughs) So, you know, we see around 80% of purchases are actually driven by men these days, which is a massive change in terms of how we've got to communicate the brand's product features and benefits.
1: So what are some of the features, for instance, that you might get in a you know across two different types of jockey underwear
2: you've got a performance range a sports and active range which products we have got you know moisture working in the fabric moisture working in the elastics you're not going to hold body sweat when you're doing um, high performance exercise it won't ride up because it's got elastic around the legs all of those things make comfortable for the environment that you're wearing it in versus a we do a range which we call it our international collection, where these are really fine, uh, lightweight fabrics to be worn under suits and tight pants and that sort of thing, where they're not going to be chunky and you know ride up and cause irritation. You know, we go into sleepwear. We go into those ranges too, which are, are specific for those purposes.
1: My next question felt kind of obvious to me as a woman. Do you think guys want to feel sexy in their underwear as well?
2: They want to feel like they're confident and fashionable in their underwear. I think is probably not the right terms in terms of what they want to do. Comfort's the main driver of the purchase and far outweighs any main driver from a consumer. But men are wanting to be more and more fashionable in terms of their their purchasing. So we need to tap into that from how we deliver our seasonal product ranges and colourways in our product. Well, I wasn't
1: sure if I was really buying into that argument, so I had to put the question back to the boys. Do you want to feel sexy
2: in your underwear? Yeah. No. Yeah, I do. Ones, you got do the holy ones for work. I go for more comfort. Presentable if so you get your yeah. pants off.
1: <laughs> what about colour?
2: I mean, if it's pink, it's pink.
1: If it's going to be like neon, like your vest, are you going
2: to still wear it? Oh, I mean, if it's a, a fresh pair of undies, why not?
1: Would you ever yep. wear a G-string? Uh, Have you? Have no, you I haven't.
2: No? If you paid me not enough, me. maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Which means well, what sort of movie I'm making. <laughs>
1: Okay okay enough of these shenanigans back to William.
2: We get a lot of international trends coming through some we never see disappearing you know camouflage in sort of different ways and bright colors are coming through and a lot of stuff that we see is depending on the different ages a really simplistic sophisticated line um, where there's not too much color so it varies by age group
1: Has the design for the wire front changed much?
2: No that's one of our probably our core features from a brand point of view that we don't change our products once we launch them and wifront's a classic example of that. It's still it very similar if not identical to the item that was launched in the forties. The innovation's probably taken over since then. I think the wifront's um, designs around comfort and coverage. The product is delivered um, through a unique heavyweight interlock fabric. It's developed definitely around support, around the crutch and the front, accessibility too, around um, making it convenient for certain moments throughout the day when you need it to be convenient.
1: Now, if we look at the kind of the broader fashion context, because we can't deny that, you know, if you're in the, the garment industry, underwear is part of that. Does Jockey have a range or are they looking towards creating their product in a way that is sustainable?
2: Yeah, so we have a future view on the way that we're approaching that and it's not something that you can change overnight. We've got a lot of policy that we've got in place around how we manage um, our sustainable future uh, and the products that we deliver. So we've got a plan where we're looking at um, different fabrications on our current ranges and new fabrications to enter into the market. We're also doing a lot of work around and a plan around reducing packaging that we use um, across all of our ranges, um, which in turn uh, reduces the amount of um, water and energy we use globally. In the, in the product. So um, we use a number of fabrics at the moment, which are all um, sustainable and renewable around uh, modal, throughout our men's and women's ranges. And it's something we've, we are rolling out across a number of our other products as well. But we uh, want to have a view that in the long term, we've got a really sustainable future.
1: Underwear is an essential that people have to have, but I wonder if to some degree as well, it has also become something that is now considerably more like a
0: luxury item.
2: You know, the old adage of you know, put a pair of socks and undies in the in the stocking is still very strong and relatable to a lot of people. In terms of probably global um, impact from a global market, everybody needs underwear at all times, except you do notice people make their underwear last longer. So the old favourites where they're you know, getting all holy might just last a little bit longer and they'll hold off purchasing a bit longer. But we do see that sales are still fairly steady across the range, even in an economic downturn, um, because it's effectively an item that everybody does need we just don't see the purchase frequency as often as what we would normally.
1: That was William Radford from Jockey, and you also heard curator Stephanie Gibson from To Papa. And that was the final episode of My Heels Are Killing Me, a podcast looking at fashion and the garment industry here in New Zealand. Thank you for those who have followed the podcast. If you'd like to go through the back catalogue of interviews and stories from Heels, head to rnz.co.nz or to Apple Podcasts, Podbeam, Stitcher, Radio Public, or wherever you get your podcasts. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long.